Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here is a man who would never waste a perfectly good tea bag. my oolong-loving friend, Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? <laughs> I'm feeling nice and warm and peaceful for my tea, and I haven't had oolong in a while, but yeah, I would never waste that. That's, that's for sure. How are you doing, James B.? Um, kind of tired, actually. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and I'm just kind of achy and, you know... It's not, oh, not well, kind of like, kind of like, like a beat up old dinosaur, like Stegron, you know, but, uh, he's not in these books anymore, Eddie. Oh, well, you know, uh, I guess it's time to move on. <laughs> yeah. But I owned the Stegron book. That's why I really enjoyed it. Uh, so I needed to find someone who owns these books. And I found a guest who I know owns both of the books we're covering today. Ah, that's right, James B. I'm pleased to welcome Matt, Mr. Comics Roberts, to the podcast. We are overreactingly happy to have you join us. Tell us about yourself, Matt. Hi, thanks for having me. My name is Matt. I go by Mr. Comics on my social medias, and I love Spider-Man, and I just couldn't stop collecting him until I had a full run of amazing Spider-Man, all the way from the very first issue to the ones coming out every other, or every single month. So it's just super exciting. So I, I did a little bit of, you know, watching your YouTube videos, of course. And I have I have a question or two about this. You've only been buying the books seriously for like three years. Is this correct? Uh, about four years now, maybe close to four and a half. It took me just over 1,200 days to get the, all the books. So I'm when I get when I get a goal, I really go after it. And and the big question is, you did say you have all the Amazing Spider-Man books. Do you have Amazing Fantasy 15? Yes and no. I have a single page, <laughs> but wow. it still counts. Hmm. I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, uh, it gets a 0 0.1 grade, right? Oh, it gets page grade. It doesn't even get a number. <laughs> well, you have you have more than I have. And, and I think everybody who loves Spider-Man would love just to have a single clip, a single chip from the original Amazing <laughs> Fantasy 15. So we'll take it. But we're not talking about that book today. Today, we're going to talk about the book from April of 1977, The Amazing Spider-Man 167, Stalked by the Spider-Slayer by Ween, Andrew, and Esposito. Uh, we open with what appears to be Spider-Man being attacked, but it turns out to be J. Jonah testing and sighting in his newest Spider-Slayer robot with the help of its creator, Marla Madison. Eddie, I noticed they they go through here and show us step by step how thoroughly impressive this version of the Spider Slayer is. And I was thinking, what an ally he could be <laughs> stopping crime. Like, it would be great to have this guy. Oh, Jay Jonah, if only, right? He could be the greatest ally of superheroes in Spider-Man. But uh, we move away from Jay Jonah to the New Jersey coast, where two truckers are attacked um, with the driver being hypnotized by a strange, wispy, flying man. The ethereal assailant reluctantly crashes the truck, takes something, and attempts to mend and comfort the unconscious drivers before flying off. Hey, uh, James B., what are your thoughts on this new potential villain we have here? Well, I know you're a longtime listener, so you probably know I really enjoy books that have two villains in it. And as much as I also do appreciate a good spider-sling issue... I was kind of hoping for more villainy from this guy. He seems reluctant and he even takes care of the wounds of the injured occupants. This guy's giving me those uh, Prowler or Gibbon vibes. So eh, I wasn't really as excited as I could have been. <laughs> well, mm -hmm. thankfully, we move to 
Aunt May, um, who is out of the hospital and ready for a fight. She's out protesting against landlords eliminating rent-controlled apartments. MJ is impressed, while Peter politely excuses himself to find what is tantalizing his spider sense. Uh, remember the protest from Amazing uh, Spider-Man number 68, James B? Um, where they say, Cook an egg, cook a goose, turn the demonstrators loose. Oh, from our guest Chris Ewing. Yeah, I, uh, I do remember that. And Eddie, speaking of protesting... And um, like Peter excusing yourself to sneak off. I remember also in Amazing Spider-Man 68, Peter says, I haven't time to protest. I have nothing to protest about. We're here in issue 167. He says, I really need a good long walk by myself. Okay, this is a more creative excuse, but I think it's even a weaker excuse. Matt, could you think of something else Peter could have said in the moment to lose MJ besides I really need a good long walk by myself? Well, if it was me, you know, I would have done something related to my job. You know, Peter takes, you know, say, oh, I just remembered I had to get some pictures to JJ, you know, or at least, you know, come up with a joke afterwards, you know, like, you know, Mary Jane, I would love to hang out with you. And I had, you know, but I'm going to go check into the crazy house because I have to go. I mean, seriously, you'd have to be crazy to leave that redhead. You know, I was more upset about that, too, that MJ was just so complacent, like, all right, you know, you go do your thing. Uh, No hassle, Tiger. So they depart and they move. They move. Or she gets on a bus. Right. And Peter, um, after his weak excuse, he checks to see what set off his spider sense. As he looks, he finds J. Jonah Jameson's face on another spider slayer. But Spider-Man is in no mood to battle and flees. Spidey sneaks up on Joe Robity, irritating him, but Joe tells Spidey, J. Jonah loves to laugh at pictures locked away in his office. This is such a strange line to me. Like, J. Jonah's just sitting in his office, like, looking at some pictures. Ha, 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 ha. It, loud enough so that Joe Robbie hears him and knows what's going on. I, I was not really paying as much attention to that because this is the first time I can remember Joe Robbie being mad at Spider-Man. And it was justified in my opinion. Matt, what do you think of the interaction between uh, Joe Robbie and Spider-Man uh, in the car? I thought it was odd, too, because he's always defending Spider-Man against you know, Jonah. But then I thought, well, it makes a little bit of sense that he needs some private space to himself. You can't inter- invade everyone's bubble all the time. And so it just makes sense that, you know, not here, not now, you know, just contact me at work where I always am. But mm. don't track me down kind of a thing. Sure. Uh, boundaries issues with Spider-Man again. I, well, I sent a Twitter post today regarding, you know, uh, the same type of topic where people in this these books, they just walk into Peter's apartment whenever they feel like it and sit around it. We've talked about that before. Like, nobody seems to have boundaries in these things. <laughs> yes, I agree. Well, uh, fearing his uh, secret identity might be compromised, Spidey swings over to the bugle. There we go again. Breaks in and grabs the envelope. On his way home, he is distracted by a fast-moving light orb, which turns out to be the Will-O-The-Wisp. The Wisp doesn't want to fight, but Spider-Man does until the Wisp tosses him through a window. As he battles his ethereal new adversary, a robotic J. Jonah arrives, and we end with things looking pretty bad for Spider-Man. This whole envelope plot point, we end, I should be clear, with... J. Jonah and his Spider Slayer and the Will of the Wisp right next to Spider-Man. And he's holding the envelope, which has these photographs. I just can't make sense of why and what's going on here. 
James yeah. Big. Yeah, I can't figure out. I can't figure it out either. Um, I do like loose ends, though. I always feel like that's kind of good. But <laughs> like besides uh, Will the Wisp, we have the loose end of that whole Flash and Shashan plot line, which I thought would be kind of moving along a little faster by now. And did you see we had a quick introduction of the uh, like Harry's therapist to Flash? And I'm telling you, that whole scene, again, that really can't be good for anyone. But I also want to mention, um, if I have another moment, in Amazing Spider-Man 167, there's a lot of people talking to themselves like Robbie is sitting in his car discussing headlines to himself and complaining about his salary and then there's a night watchman who says out loud oh I better have my hearing aid checked you know which gives Spider-Man a chance to like react to these lines of these characters I gotta tell you Len Wein is working hard to present a lot of information to us in this book now um I don't know if we want to talk more about this book but it does tie in pretty much to the next one so we could do them both in a row uh, Matt, do you want to do the intro for me to the next issue? Sure, James. I'd be happy to. From May of 1977, The Amazing Spider-Man number 168 in The Murder on the Wind by Ween, Andrew, and Esposito. Spider-Man is in trouble. The Will-o'-the-Wisp has hypnotized Spider-Man in Rockefeller Square. While he holds the envelope containing evidence of a secret identity from J. Jonah's office. Thankfully, J. Jonah shows up and bullheadedly attacks the Wisp for trying to take his spider prize. Uh, something beyond his control makes the Wisp teleport away, leaving only Spidey and J. Jonah. The two battle until J. Jonah crashes into the Prometheus statue, seriously damaging the Slayer uh, uh, with, with as J. Jonah breaks the fourth wall, saying, I think I should have stayed in bed! <laughs> uh, he says he'll have to pay a fortune to fix the ice rink at Rockefeller Square. What? Like, this is public knowledge that Jay Jonah is running around the city? Why isn't he getting arrested for commissioning city-destroying robots? <laughs> Eddie, I got three words for you. Midtown Executives Club. <laughs> he knows, there we go. He knows everybody, right? They all get together, all these power players. That's why he's not getting arrested for destroying the city. <laughs> I just envisioned him coming to the club and being like, you know what's wrong with this city? Spider-Man. And then the rest of the business are like, uh, all right, let's go into the next room. Keep keep <laughs> slinging the martinis you, at J. Jonah. <laughs> you, don't think J, you don't think J. Jonah Jameson's uh, reporters were like stopping crime in the city by the, his newspaper articles? Remember that argument one time? Uh, my people are controlling the crime. We're taking it down a notch. I'm like, what? The, what? How are you doing with the bugle? You do nothing, J. Jonah. Ah, uh, well, as well-connected as he is, we go to a slightly less well-connected apartment, which is Peter's. Uh, he looks into the envelope he's stolen from J. Jonah's office and finds pictures of himself incinerating his clone. He recalls the tingle of his spider sense at the moment of when these pictures were captured and wonders who took the pictures of him. Uh, he takes new pictures, we're gonna talk about that, with the intention of returning them to J. Jonah's desk. Is, is that what's happening here? Uh, Matt, do you know if he takes new pictures or he alters the old ones in his dark room? Uh, anybody, what are your thoughts? Hmm. Well, if I remember correctly, he makes new pictures and replaces them with the originals. 
But I also remember that's a lot more difficult process in the 1970s than photo editing today. I mean, the workload itself, when I had a computer to do it, was a lot. I can't imagine having to do it by hand. Um, hey, enough about these photos. I want to talk about MJ and the T. <laughs> so, guys, there's a part here where, um, you know, this is, for, I don't know what page it is because I have the, like, the copy that doesn't have page numbers on it so after the negatives he's letting them dry and mj says to him like hey you want milk or lemon with your tea brown eyes and he's like huh mary jane watson of course what a surprise how'd you get here what did you do? how'd you get in again you know no problem i thought that's why you gave me that key tiger i heard you put around your dark room and didn't want to disturb you Good thing she's not checking out the photos he has you know and he's like pretty lady you couldn't disturb me if you tried now this is what i want to talk about here all right so there's a line here where they're talking about the tea somewhere. And then she finally says, he says, um, I can't think of any better company than yours. And he, and then she says, I say we definitely ought to explore this situation in greater detail. And then the kettle goes off. And she says, oh, rats, the tea kettle is whistling. Now what do I do? And here's the line. Let it whistle, Mary Jane. Just let it whistle. <laughs> right? This is... And then the next scene, it says sometime later. Oh, right? scandal. Scandal. Right? I mean, we're all in on yeah. this, right? This is, this is, I mean, there's no skin. All right. This isn't like you're seeing any real action like uh, the Wasp and Marvel team up or anything here. But like, this is implying, right? Is it? Mary, you guys are agreeing with me, right? Mary Jane's finger yeah. is about half an inch from Peter's mouth when she says this. So, but they're fully yeah, they're fully clothed, like overclothed, long sleeve yeah. shirts, sitting in an uncomfortable chair, in a crummy looking apartment. There's nothing romantic about this at all, right? He's Bad. not written. Yeah, look at his purple. He's got Eddie's purple pants on. There's nothing really good about this. But the line does say, let it whistle. Then it says, sometime later. Like, that's, that's it. I'm not changing the rating on our podcast for this, but this is. <laughs> this is the second time something's happened. All right. We're going to call this uh, the, yeah. the tea chair incident. Oh. I'm just All saying. Right. That's up there with that door closing moment. Come in here, Mary Jane. I'll show you how much I missed you or whatever <laughs> last time. Uh, well, uh, speaking of controversies, the, the, we leave that scene to discover the origin of the wisp is Jonas Harrow the recreator of the kangaroo and hammerhead. I thought it was interesting he said recreator of hammerhead and kangaroo with some sort of device implanted in the wisp that will kill him. Jonas is forcing the wisp to seek and kill Spider-Man. Uh, the wisp embraces his fate while understanding it will cost him his soul to kill. As Spidey finishes depositing his doctored pictures back into J. Jonas' office, he is once again attacked by the wisp. All right, I have a question for you, Eddie, and then I have a question for Matt. Okay. Eddie, if they hadn't said Jonas Harrow recreated Kangaroo and Hammerhead, would you have known who Jonas Harrow was, and would you have remembered that he recreated both those guys? I, I would not have remembered his name. I would have remembered that Kangaroo and Hammerhead came from the same person. I, recreate is a weird word to use. No, too. but it's because Kangaroo appears the first time against Spider-Man, and then he gets recreated by Jonas Harrow oh, to fight him differently. Oh, That's I why I think that. I think he recreates Kangaroo, but I think he creates Hammerhead. 
So, um, but Eddie, you know that I like to look around the background and I don't know if Matt does this too, but I couldn't help but looking at a lot of things going on in the background of this fight, a lot of logos and branding. Matt, did you see this stuff too? Is this something caught your eye? Yes. I mean, I always enjoy looking at the background of these older comics and particularly since I know that Marvel, uh, New York itself was a character in Spider-Man and in other Marvel comics. It was meant to be, you know, the, the real city that everyone was a part of. And so mm-hmm. it was that realistic. You could literally go to many places in the comic books in real life. So it's definitely a real character to these uh, books that the city is. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Eddie. Oh, it's almost like an advertisement for sightseeing in New York City. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, uh, the Hudson River, the George Washington Bridge, the New Jersey coast, uh, the Father Duffy statue in Times Square, and of course, the Prometheus statue, which is in Rockefeller Square by the iconic uh, ice rink. Uh, you know, I, I do love when Spidey battles in interesting and unique places. And I very specifically remember when he fought Doc Ock in an art museum and, well, the average Joe in a movie theater, you know, movie set. Uh, I, I really like this. It's really interesting to me. I was just going to mention some of the logos because the listeners might not be reading this book, but Coke, Sony, AAA, and Canadian Club all get like big promos in all this book, so kind of crazy yeah well uh it's clear to spidey that the wisp is being forced to fight but the wisp doesn't stop his attack until spidey is nearly killed uh as his conscience catches up with him the wisp decides to let go of spidey and dives at harrow below only to have his molecules scrambled into nothing and spidey swings off the wisp is one of the oddest characters I've seen in a while. I mean, they do a really good job of like rounding out his character, of, you know, portraying the struggle that he has with his conscience and to do Jonas's bidding in these two books. He also seems super powerful to me. He's yeah, not so powerful enough. He couldn't get that little device out of his skull though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, how is Jonas creating such a powerful villain too? Um, well, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't even remember Jonas Harrow that much, um, <laughs> but he sounds like he's a very, uh, powerful villain that we need to deal with. And speaking of powerful, important things, we have a returning sponsor today. Oh, well, Ooh, always which, good to have. Yeah. Always good to have if you take advantage of it the second time. So Eddie, you love your children and always want the best for their health, like a good dad should, right? Of course. Well, Eddie, Dr. Jonas Harrow is a family doctor and rehab specialist licensed now in four states. Come see him if you have weak bones. Uh, We all remember that Dr. Harrow can also help with a weak skull, weak feet, weak bladders. But Eddie, he can now also help you feel lighter than air. It's your one-stop shop for all your ailments. Dr. Jonas Harrow, not ABMS certified, only licensed in New York, (laughs) Indiana, Colorado, and Michigan. By the way, gentlemen, calling all the old night watchmen, if you think you need to get your hearing aid checked, look no further than, that's right, Dr. Jonas Harrow. Discover card not accepted. Consultations available over Zoom. See our ad in Bald Life magazine. So, Eddie, the last time... I informed you about Dr. Jonas Harrow. This was before 
He had done all these things with the kangaroo and and the amazing. And I heard a rumor that you consider him a very powerful person. Well, how is Jonas creating such a powerful villain too? I, I love how I say, of course, I want what's best for my daughter's health. And the next word is Dr. Jonas Harrow. <laughs> um, you know what I don't need, James B.? I don't need more hard-headed children in my household. That's actually Do- fair. <laughs> Dr. Jonas is going to be helping my children have harder harder heads. But- and, well, you know the other aspects you don't have you. you don't have to affect their skulls it's only if they have a weak <laughs> skull he doesn't just do things to oh, your we don't have weak skulls <laughs> <laughs> all right as usual since you've already had problems with this let me turn to somebody more reasonable today someone who understands a little bit more about dr jonas harrow me and you obviously didn't know how great he was uh matt any any comments for you about now that he's in colorado is a new state for him by the way <laughs> Oh, I love him and his services. I mean, my son was recently sick here. I broke my hand once at work. I mean, I don't, I mean, after over 30 years old, you know, you need to have some parts replaced and all that. So, I mean, I really need, I'm really working on having him for my YouTube channel. And I think we could go very far. He just sounds like the perfect, perfect person to help sponsor my channel. Excellent. I I think he'd love to sponsor more Spider-Man content. Um, Eddie, is there anything we could do that wow. to kind of alleviate your concerns about Jack Joe's hair? Can, can we at least can you tell us what we need to do to make you feel a little better about him? We don't need any bionic hands either in this household. You know, if this if this guy uh, produced some kind of accreditation, maybe joined you know the physician society, something like that, uh, we could talk. But I, I, as far as I can see, he's the very definition of operating out of a back alley. So. I just hear lower health costs. That's all I heard you say. <laughs> Not covered by insurance is what I hear too. <laughs> Again, insurance is just a way for the man to get ahead, right, Eddie? <laughs> uh, well, let, agree, agree to disagree. Um, I'm glad Matt finds Jonas to uh, operate well in his <laughs> world. Well, I think we should... I think we should touch really quickly on this whole uh, Matt mentioning the YouTube thing and then uh, kind of wrap things up if it's okay with you guys. I feel like we've covered most of what we need to cover in these issues. So, Matt, can you tell us a little bit about – you said you have a YouTube channel? Yes, I have a YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, all Mr. Mr. underscore comics 89. I do unboxings. I do, you know, a bunch of different shows. I run my podcast, my own podcast called The Knockout on there. It's a debate show, which is a lot of fun to do. And just have a good old time talking Spider-Man and movies once in a while. And, hell, even a few rant or two. It's a lot of fun. You know, fun to ramble like I like to do once in a while. Hey, you're, you're in the right place for that. <laughs> Speaking of rambling, Eddie, could you let everyone know how they could find us? Uh, you can email us anytime at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com or at letsreadspidey on and, Twitter. And listeners, that's what Matt did. He reached out. We were talking and he's on the show just like that. But now it's time for the close, and I'm James B., joined by Eddie and Matt. And remember, listeners, if you are ever facing J. Jonah Jameson in a spider slayer, and things look impossibly hard and dangerous, and you have no way out, have no fear, J. Jonah Jameson will always find a way to lose in the end. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Goodbye. Bye. Matt, I got a question for you regarding the new books. Now, I know you own the, you know, 800, 900 plus books. Uh, can I, real quick, have you read most of them or not really? Most of them. Some I would rather spend, um, you know, uh, you know, I'd rather not reread and others I'm like, going, you know what, I'll just, you know, I'll go to jail first before I reread it because it was torture. <laughs> All right. So here, here's something that Eddie and I don't know a lot about. We... We know we're going to hit the 90s, and we're, we're sort of fearing it. We see, like, issue 301, 302. We're sort of panicky. And I've, you know, I've peaked at books in the 600s and the 700s. Can you tell me something something good about the books in the future that have, like, no words and, like, only pictures? Like, is there anything good I have to look forward to just, like, about the – not the, the plot lines themselves, but is there something like, hey, James B., you might like the, that there's a lot of words here, but here's a, here's a positive about reading books in the 2000s. <laughs> the books get a lot the books get really exciting in the 200s that's where i find the best period to be in that two three hundred time Ooh. period is i find to be the best story arc right below right before the 90s and the 400s and all that that's when you have your shaky period right in the four to five hundreds it's it rounds off after that but that big 200 block section is mm. kind of a is a tricky thing a little bit too but there are there are definite positive sides you know certain characters like a potential clone you may or may not see again you know that he's just someone who's very interesting you know very interesting character we find out more about so there's you, definitely things to look forward to where you know famously i mentioned in a podcast that you'll hear that i i started with 165 when i was a little kid but as a you know paying customer who could buy my weekly comics i think i was coming in around the 220s and i got a nice sweet spot from 220 to about 270 or so and then i mm -hmm. you know outgrew comics and moved on to you know cars and girls or whatever i was doing at the time but uh do you know you know you said you kind of got into it a couple of years ago do you know what mm -hmm. like run or issues you started off with that you were like hey this is something i really want to pursue well I, the very first issues i remember reading was a trade around the introduction of venom as a character mm -hmm. but yep. when i first started reading spider-man it was just after like 8, 10, 8, 12 Oof. in the Legacy, okay. Spencer's run. And that's partly why I love Nick Spencer so much is that's when I first developed the love of the character and all that. And so I really like his 75 issues that he wrote. Uh, speaking of characters, can we talk about Jonas Harrow for a moment? Go ahead, Eddie. I love every time Jonas Harrow is depicted. Uh, he has like a not only a really great push broom mustache, which like conforms to his grimace or smile, but like almost hypnotic glasses and a bucket hat on. <laughs> and then like a, you know, deep five o'clock shadow. I just love how he's drawn. He's a great looking mad scientist. Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah, well, speaking of Jonas and his glasses look like something you buy off the back of a Cracker Jack box or something yes. hypnotizing swirls. It's like I look at him going, seriously? That was just the goofiest <laughs> thing you can think of. So if you, if you, so he looks like, uh, have you guys ever seen the, t the movie Dodgeball? Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. He's the guy who like realizes there's a Dodgeball 
uh, competition. He's like, I read obscure, obscure sports quarterly. You know, that's who he's drawn after. He's like this big, goofy, unreliable looking guy with really, really thick glasses. And I think they do that because they don't want him to be a reliable looking doctor, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's for sure. 